do prodigal parents deal with heartache and pain when their children no longer attend church or practice their faith? How do we show unconditional love to our prodigal children? Why is prayer so important? And how can small groups in congregations encourage and assist prodigal parents. Join me today as I interview Paula Isaacson. She was a prodigal child for 25 years before recommitting her life to Christ. After she returned to the faith, she began Faith Family Reunion, a prodigal parent ministry that offers encouragement and help for parents of prodigals. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Thanks, Paula, for being my guest today on Family Shield. Thanks for having me. Paula, briefly share with our listeners about your story. You were a prodigal for 25 years, um, and tell our listeners a little bit more about that. We did do a program with you a few months ago about your uh, testimony, but uh, I'm sure some of the people today did not hear it. So just briefly update us about that. Yes. Um, so I um, I was actually brought up in a pastor's family and um, a very loving Christian family. I went to parochial school, um, attended church every Sunday, of course. And um, when I was young, probably around 13, 14 years old, I, I, I walked away from the faith. And um, I, you know, committed a sin um, that I that felt was so uh, deep and very unforgivable that I, I felt like I never, never could come back. And so I just ended up committing more sin one after the other. And um, I just felt that I was stuck, stuck there. But after 25 years, you did return to the faith, right? That's great for that. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, it took, a, it took a lot of, um, a lot of prayer. <laughs> prayer, yeah, absolutely. Very much so. Well, we're glad you're here today to, to share more. And we're going to be doing a six-part series. We don't do our series all in a row. So we did that first one a couple months ago when we first merged Family Shield Ministries, merged with Faith Family Reunion, and you founded Faith Family Reunion. And uh, today we're going to uh, continue that series. So we want to spend more of our time talking about the prodigal parents and some of the challenges they face. So um, after you returned to your faith in Christ, you wanted to help prodigal parents uh, because they too had experienced some of the same emotions and challenges that your parents experienced when you were separated from Christ. So today, again, we're going to talk about some of those challenges and how we can help prodigal parents. So let's talk about communicating with our prodigals. How do we show unconditional love to our prodigal children? You know, um, the temptation, I think, uh, once your child has left the faith, you're, you, you don't know what to do. And you uh, are, what's the word, but you are um, just ashamed. You can't believe that they did what they have done or have they, that they fell away from the faith. Uh, so I, I, I encourage parents to continue um, to love your love your children no matter what. Just continue to love them. I, I experienced this through my uh, my parents, my mom and dad. 
uh, even though I'd left the faith um, and was not living the life um, that they had hoped I would live and was not living a, a Christian lifestyle, they continued to reach out to me and to love me and stay in touch with me. They sent me cards you know, during the Christmas holidays. So I, I, I did get the message of, um, of Christ, you know, through those cards and the love that Christ had for me, the love that my parents had for me, they called me, they visited me. And what, what this actually created was, um, somewhat of a, a bond, if you will. Um, I knew that they were like a lifeline to me. I knew that if I ever, you know, couldn't make it on my own anymore and I needed help that they were there. Just that, just that continuing, um, sense of love that I, I felt from them reaching out to me and it melted my heart eventually. Mm, that's wonderful. Sometimes people will say, well, there's no such thing as unconditional love. Christ has unconditional love for us. But for us parents, it's not always so easy. Uh, and, and so sometimes, maybe especially at the beginning, after the child has fallen away, parents might be so angry at them that they don't show the kind of love they always had in the past. Uh, and I think sometimes it's a bit of a process. Would you agree with that? I know you've talked to lots of parents. Completely. I think the natural, natural thing to do for parents is that they, you know, because of the anger and then the, the hurt and then yeah. the shame. I mean, they're just, there are different stages that parents go through that they, they just cannot get over it. And sometimes it might take them years possibly uh -huh. um, even to want to um, acknowledge their children, but just don't fall into that because then it's harder. It can be harder, you know, to get back into relationship with the, with the prodigal. Don't let it go for years. Uh, just pray about it and ask, ask the Lord to give you um, softness and, and opportunities to, to be able to stay in communication and to love them. It's so, yeah. it's so important. And it is. So um, we, we've kind of talked about that, but I want to bring it up again. What are some of the challenges related to communication with our prodigals besides what you've already shared? So um, sometimes, again, like as I mentioned, the parents are so angry and hurt that they push the prodigal away. So it's, sometimes it can be the parent. Sometimes the prodigals can push the parents away. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then there's even not even a relationship. And so even though uh, the parents want to show love for the prodigal, they can't because there's no relationship. And so and and I and I realize that's very hard. I know I know many parents that are going through that have gone through that. And one thing you can do, you can pray uh -huh. and you can ask the Lord to bring other Christians around your prodigals and surround them. Yes, absolutely. Pray for an opportunity for the relationship to open once again. You, you don't know you don't know what the Lord can do. You you don't even know. We have no idea what prayer can do. But I mean, I know it works. <laughs> I'm sitting here today. Yes. Um, and I know that people are praying for me for, for decades. So, yes, I just did a two week introduction to, uh, uh, prodigal parents. And for me, it was brand new, but I heard the testimonies of uh, about 16 prodigal parents and they were all over the place. I mean, some of them had still had a good relationship with them uh, to the other extreme. Some of them barely talked to each other and the, the son didn't like his mom because she was a active Christian. So uh, it, it is hard to know even how to pray. But as you just said, just pray and ask others to join you in praying for your prodigal and praying for you so that you can show that love when sometimes your 
so upset you don't feel like showing love. And I think of the book, The Five Love Languages. Um, it's it's for for uh, mostly, well, a lot of times husbands and wives, but there's also one for children. But I think it would be a great book for prodigal parents to pick up and read because sometimes we don't know our children's love language and maybe knowing it and using some of the suggestions in that book by Dr. Gary Chapman could help parents show more love, love that the child feels. I don't know if you're familiar with that book, but it just made, it made me think of that. Yeah, I think that'd be great. So how else can we pray for our prodigals? You know, I would say, um, again, just just continue to pray. Um, and you can sometimes just say, Lord, I don't know what to say. <laughs> you just, yeah. I, have, I have no idea what I, what I want to say. And, and I, I remember we had a, uh, had a presentation, uh, my dad and I at this congregation in Michigan, and many of the parents said they don't, didn't know how to pray. And, um, you know, and my dad even said he didn't know how to pray. And I thought, my dad's a pastor. He doesn't know how to pray. That seems so strange, but it, it makes sense because you're, your, your emotions are out of whack and, and you're, and you're just have this, all this, this anger and hurt and confusion and, and trying to understand the choices that your prodigal may have made. And so again, you might even just ask the Lord, how do I pray? What should I pray for? And you, and the Holy Spirit might give you insight, you know, and if you try to understand where the prodigal is coming from, try to understand maybe the root of what maybe brought this up and, or asked for guidance to, to understand, um, Lord, how, how, why did this happen? Can you help me understand? Oftentimes parents all put the blame on themselves. And I'm sure we'll be talking about this um, in another question, but don't assume it's about you. Don't assume it's something you did. Um, you can pray scriptures. Uh, Oftentimes, there are so many specific uh, scriptures uh, in, in, in the Bible that really apply um, to the situation. And uh, we've got, uh, I've got um, a list um, that I can give you, Kay, that we can maybe share. Um, but it's, uh, it was given to me at a presentation I did. Um, and it was, and it's, I used it at many presentations, actually every presentation after that, because it's, you know, biblically based and scripture for different scenarios. It's it's really helpful. And another thing is there's never a right way or a wrong way to pray. I think we, we get caught in thinking that, or parents, you know, me now, you know, um, when I'm praying for, um, you know, other parents or parents or, or other prodigals, that um, we think there's a certain way to do it, a certain uh, format you have to follow. There's not a right way or a wrong way. No, it might just no. say, Lord, just help. Please help yep. me. Just do that arrow prayer that is in Acts, I think it's 7, 50, yeah. 58. Yes, good, good, good. So many things that we can pray for, but I love that you said, just ask God, what can I pray for? What should I pray for? And what should I do? You know, ask ask for the whatever uh, God puts on your heart, but but uh, just keep praying. That's good. So you, we talk a lot, and you've talked a lot about how parents are hurt through this. So how do parents learn to deal with the hurt and guilt that they feel? And you mentioned it isn't always their fault, but they usually feel guilty. But talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, oftentimes, um, you know, people or parents, what they do is they keep that, they keep what's going on with their um, their situation. 
with their their prodigal. They might say, boy, my daughter, Jane, she's so awesome and, and a successful lawyer, and they focus on the accomplishments. Or they say, John, you know, my, my son, John, he built his company from the ground up and now employs over 500 people, and they were just focusing on that. But deep down inside, they're just feeling this, this, um, this hurt, guilt, shame of, of what they didn't do. Again, because they're pointing the fingers on themselves and saying they're the ones that caused this whole thing. And it, what's so um, scary about this is that often parents can be um, so riddled with hurt and guilt, they might even walk away from the faith because they can't mm. stand it because they are blaming themselves. And it's, I think it's just so important to talk about it with somebody. You know, uh, if even if you get counseling, you know, meet with a counselor, or if you're able to talk with your spouse, or if you're able to talk with a friend. Um, but what's really, I think, has, was really helpful, and I've seen this over the years working on Faith Family Reunion, is when you can meet with other parents that are going through the same thing you're going through. Uh-huh. And you can all share your experiences with each other and talk about it and get it out you know, get it out of out of your head. I used to call it the whiny voice, and I still do. And you know who that is, always saying, you suck. You caused this. You, do you hear that negative mm-hmm, voice? Mm-hmm. And that, when you don't talk about it, it's gonna, you're gonna hear that voice over and over like a broken record. Mm. However, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he says, I love you. This is what you can do. This is what you, why don't you pray this way? That's great. I'm going to make some announcements, then we'll come back to continue talking to Paula Isaacson about Faith Family Reunion and how we can help prodigal parents when they have children that have either just stopped going to church or have actually left the faith. Family Shield Ministries cares about families growing in Christ and equips them to witness to each other and to the world. The Family Shield radio program is aired on up to 50 stations throughout the United States, and the podcast is heard on many podcast platforms. Family Shield also coordinates additional educational and evangelism services. This now includes Faith Family Reunion that serves parents with prodigals. Prodigals are adult children that grew up in the faith and have stopped attending church or have left the faith. Family Shield Ministries will host a one-day training event for church leaders and prodigal parents in St. Louis, Missouri on Saturday, April 6, 2024. If you live in the metro St. Louis area and want information, email us at witness2family at gmail.com. Space is limited, but we want you to know about it and we want you to come. Uh, you can learn more and we'll be sharing more about that uh, during the next few months. Family Shield is self-supporting and a listener-funded ministry. We depend upon your prayers, support, generosity, and sacrifice to allow us to share the gospel with those who do not know him and equip Christians to serve and witness. Please pray for us, mail a donation, or give a one-time gift or a monthly gift on our website, www.familyshieldministries.org. Now I want to go back to continue talking with Paula Isaacson. We talked just a few minutes ago about uh, how parents often take on all the guilt and hurt because they think it's their fault. And, And no parent is perfect. We all do things wrong, but it isn't the always anyway, the parents fault, and they certainly should realize that anything that they did wrong 
Jesus Christ has suffered and died for and their sins are washed away. Um, but sometimes in the midst of this, that's not what they're thinking about. But uh, that I think is why, Paula, you say forgiveness is so important. Talk about why forgiveness is important for prodigal parents and prodigal children. So, you know, forgiveness really is key because when you don't have forgiveness, you continue to hold on to that grief, shame, anger, hurt, and worry of being judged uh, for not doing a good enough job raising your kids. When you have that forgiveness, uh, don't have that forgiveness, um, there's not an opportunity for you, for parents to reach out um, to their kids to restore that broken relationship, nor the ability to share the faith with them. So, when I'm talking about forgiveness, forgiveness is key. It's it can be in so many different ways. Forgiveness uh, for um, you know to your prodigal for leaving the faith. Forgiveness uh, to yourself um, and and not taking on all of the guilt. Um, forgiveness for the situation that may have caused it. Um, recognizing and remembering that Christ did you know forgive our sins. And that we can move on and we can move forward and he gives us an opportunity every day if we want every minute if we want to continue to ask for forgiveness um but once you if you don't forgive you're holding on to something that you shouldn't be holding on to you need to let go and forgiveness allows you to let go and we have forgiveness through jesus christ he has forgiven every sin we've ever done because he loves us, because we have faith in him. Uh, that's that's a message that we can't say often enough because people just don't always, they hear the words, but they don't comprehend it or they don't believe it. So it's good to continue to hear that message. So let's talk about the need for small groups for prodigal parents within congregations. Your material, your training, and your resources that you've produced all are toward the goal of helping congregational leaders start small groups in their congregation for prodigal parents. And I just, as I said earlier, had this wonderful two-week introduction experience with 16 or so prodigal parents. And that's they came away from that. This is wonderful. We have to continue this. We, we need more information. We need this. We need that. And they're so excited about your April event that we have coming up next year because I kind of said, let's just stay in touch, pray together, maybe meet periodically, but let's not do a the weekly Bible study that Paula has available. Just come next April and then continue praying how God would use you. And right now they're all excited about getting involved and maybe helping in some way. But um, but that's your goal. And, and it's, it's such, there's such a need. And the thing is, this little small church that I just went to didn't have a clue. They had 16 people, and I'm sure there were others, and they were all saying to each other, we didn't know somebody else in this church also had prodigal children. You're going through the same thing as us. Oh my gosh. And they're hugging each other and they're, they're, they're so excited to be able to get together and pray and talk and uh, let the Lord lead them. But that's what you saw that vision. I, I don't think anybody else sees it very much. There's not many resources out there. So tell us why you believe that is so important for churches, because which I skipped over, most parents don't talk about prodigal children. They kind of keep it a secret, don't they? Mm -hmm. they, they really do. And I remember when I first started this, um, they had the concept, I had mentioned it to my dad and my dad kept on thinking that I was reaching out to prodigals. I was like, no, I'm reaching out to the parents because if the parents 
um, come to a place of peace. They actually are the churches, I believe, one of the church's greatest assets in reaching the lost because they have dealt with um, people that have eating disorders, people that have drug issues, people that um, are just workaholics, people that have walked away from the faith. You can tap into them. They are such an incredible resource. They can help you to reach not only their prodigals, but to, and other prodigals, but to other people and other and maybe people that have never gone to church because they understand the whole thing. I often say that um, this topic of prodigals is really that white elephant in the room. We we it's we know it's there, but we just don't want to talk about it. And I would I often would say during presentations, um, can you imagine a future where parents are unafraid to share their hurts? sorrow and disappointments with others. You saw this. You saw what happens. When yeah, you it was amazing. Yeah. It's just it's so it's so joyful. It's like exciting. Yeah, they were ex I mean, not all of them because some of them really have some difficult situations and as they shared, several of them cried and it's, you know, and so let me just jump forward for a minute. One of the things you have in your training that we used at this. This was the first time these people had met, first time I'd ever met them, but we started with the rules of engagement, something that you begin with, that each of the, and I just said, you know, we're going to start with that after the introduction. I want you to read it and sign it and promise that you're not going to go around telling other people what you hear today. And every one of them talked, shared the story of their child. Every one of them, I was amazed. I thought, oh, just a couple of them maybe will speak because first of all, people are afraid of public speaking and this was in front of a group. And many of them didn't know each other that well. Uh, you know, in a congregation, you don't, you don't always know all the people. But uh, why did you start that? Because I think that's genius, really genius that, that, I mean, I was thinking after I did that, every Bible study I do from now on, I'm going to start with that because, you know, you, you talk about some personal things during Bible studies and it's just it makes you feel better if they signed that letter and they said they weren't going to be gossiping about me someplace else. Yeah. Well, it comes to trust. That's why people don't want to talk. And so if you get them to really think about it, uh, that's the rules of engagement saying, what I'm going to say will say here, I will not, you know, share the information with anyone else. It stays within the group. Once you sign that, I would have people sign that, put it in the middle of the table and they would see it. They could see it right in front of them. And it just, it just creates that feeling, that space of that trust. There's, I can trust, trust here now it's here. It's, it's, it's real. You know, it makes it very tangible. Like I'm going to be trustworthy and I can trust these people. That's great. I'm just looking forward to your uh, training next year. And and I, I think the other thing is, how do you encourage church workers, maybe even the pastors, to see this need? Because it's not easy to see until you get these parents together where they're all talking. But uh, to some extent, to have small groups and congregations, the pastors are the church workers that are going to maybe be involved in leading it or at least organizing it, have to catch the vision. How do we do that? How do we help them see this? Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's one by one. I, I, I remember I used to get overwhelmed, like, how am I going to do this? How's this going to work? And I was always reminded the Holy Spirit does the work. You know, we we just we I, I think and and what we did was we would get the information out. We would try to continue to 
get, you know, newsletters out, um, get, you know, a group going somewhere or, or do a presentation somewhere, and then they would share the information. This was really great. And you just keep on, keep on sharing, you know, building momentum, you know, little by little. I often, I, I, I used to say too, that this makes such a difference. Um, I, this could make such a difference in our synod. If we got small groups going on in every, every congregation and everybody started talking about it instead of keeping it hidden and sharing, sharing their story. And I, I think we could have such a great reach if we could do this. I think it would make such uh -huh. an impact. But again, it's continuing to talk about it, getting the word out. And I feel like, you know, with the podcasts, you know, with the emails, um, just having the presence on the website, doing presentations. I think that's just yeah. what we have to continue to do and talk about it and share. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And pray and pray that, that the, the church leaders will mm -hmm. catch the vision because really they need to hear some of the stories and, yeah. uh, and uh, the, that prayer that God answers prayer and mm -hmm. how he does that. Uh, I, I shared several stories and others shared stories uh, in just the two-week session that I did. It was just an introduction for this small congregation. So um, why does it help prodigal parents to be in contact with other prodigal parents? That's probably one of the main things that people get out of the small groups. Mm -hmm. So, so um, I often would use this as a question to parents. Don't be discouraged. What if you could get the word out? What happens if you continue to keep this sorrow to yourself? Could you benefit by sharing? And then the last question you need to ask yourself is what would happen if we all started talking about it? So getting back to why does it help uh, prodigal parents to be in contact with other parents of prodigals? Wouldn't you like some encouragement? Wouldn't mm. you like not to hear that whiny voice, but hear mm -hmm. encouragement from another parent? What would happen if you share with, would share with other people? What kind of, you know, how could you be an encouragement to other people? And again, what if we all started talking about it? Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, we have one minute left. So I'm going to let you share anything else you want our listeners to know uh, in that one minute. And I'll let you know when that time is up. But one minute is a long time. So, so don't stop. I'll just stop you when the time is up. How's that? You know, I, I just I, I just wanted to encourage parents just never to give up, never to give up on their prodigal. Um, and I, I just want to say, I, I mean, I know that my parents never gave up on me. Um, my fifth grade teacher never gave up on me. Um, many friends and, and family members that were praying just kept on praying, kept on praying. It's so often we pray and we think nothing's ever going to happen. And sometimes it takes a long time, but just don't ever give up on the prodigal because you don't know it's gonna happen. People or prodigals come back to faith in God's perfect timing, in the Lord's mm -hmm. perfect timing. Just never give up at all. That's great, good news. Never give up, never give up on your children, never give up on your parents. So again, this is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Learn more about Family Shield on our website, www.familyshieldministries.org. Thank you for listening. God bless your day. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com. 
or Wright Family Shield Ministries, 7045 Parkwood Street, St. Louis, Missouri 63116. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.